0: Welcome to Inspire Churches Podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning. My name is Philip. I'm one of the pastors at Inspire, and I'd like to welcome all of our friends and our family for joining us this special, um, happy Easter morning. And yeah, I did say happy Easter because even in spite of all of the death and sickness that is currently surrounding us, Easter serves as a reminder to the believer of the hope that we have in our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is undoubtedly one of the most uneasy, angst-filled Easter's in our generation. Yet, as followers of Jesus, we shall not be moved. And so I want to encourage those of you who are watching, who are believers in Christ, not to be moved, but to stand firm in the hope that we have in our resurrected King. And if you don't know Jesus today, I pray that you would give your life over to him for there's no better hands that you could place your life in than his. If you've been following us for the last couple of weeks, we've been in an Easter sermon series that we've called Behold the Lamb. And so before I get into our text this morning, I would like to recap the series for you. Pastor Roger started us off with a quote by theologian Gordon Fee, And the quote says this, the Bible is not a disconnected set of stories, each of which has a little moral principle about how to live. Primarily, the Bible is a single story telling us what is wrong with the human race and what God is doing to make that right. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the Bible's redemptive historical plotline unfolding in four dramatic acts. Act one, creation. We were created by God, made in his image and placed in a garden. Act two, fall. We rebelled against God, distorted that image and got kicked out of the garden. Act three, redemption. So God in Christ put on human flesh and paid the death penalty for our rebellion. Act four, restoration. He rose, redeemed his creation and brought us back to the garden. If these four acts of redemptive history were to be told in pictures, then the blood of the lamb would be the paint by which the story is illustrated. You see, from the sin of Adam, a blood sacrifice was needed to cover his shame. To the murdering of Abel, a better bloody word was needed to justify guilty Cain. From the Exodus story, death was denied when the blood was applied of an acceptable substitute lamb to the institution of the day of atonement when all the sins of Israel were covered by the blood of goats and a ram. Yet every Old Testament sacrifice was limited, pointing to something greater than itself. And what they were pointing to was not made clear until the moment Jesus Christ stepped into the scene of history and John the Baptist declared, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, in Christ's death, humanity has found its ultimate sacrifice for sin. In Christ's death, humanity has found its ultimate Passover of judgment. In Christ's resurrection, humanity has found its ultimate exodus from death. All 66 books, 44 authors written over a period of 1,500 years. All 1,189 chapters made up of 31,173 verses either look forward to or point back to the precious lamb of God. Now, before we get into today's text, I wanna take a moment just to pray. So right there where you're at in your living rooms, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We celebrate Easter Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of our King Jesus in such unprecedented, unique times God, we celebrate you surrounded by fear. We celebrate you surrounded by worry. We celebrate you surrounded by sickness and death. We celebrate our King. And so I pray that your name will be glorified and you would touch every heart, every mind, every ear that is listening for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. To finish off this Easter series, we're gonna move to the final act of redemptive history. We started in Genesis three at the beginning and we'll finish now in Revelation five with a vision of the end. A vision that actually begins in Revelation four where the last remaining apostle John is given a glimpse of the most spectacular place man can imagine, the throne room of God. Listen to how the throne room of God is described. In this room, other worldly creatures called cherubim are there. This is better than any sci-fi that you could imagine. In this room, there are 24 enthroned elders representing the church. In this room, the glory of God is described like a ruby diamond shining out through an emerald rainbow bouncing off of a crystal platform. Lightning flashes in this room. Thunder rolls in this room as every being in the room is worshiping God Almighty. And in this most spectacular place, the most significant question in human history will be answered. Who is worthy I just want to take a moment and kind of break uh, the drama of the moment. I want to ask you a a question, a little pop culture question. Um, Who remembers these lovable rats? (laughs) Can you guess their name? I'll I'll give you a little bit of time. You can guess their names. Go ahead. And, And I'll even give you a hint. They're America's favorite genetically enhanced laboratory mice. Have you guessed who those rats are? Uh, That's pinky, and that's the brain. In fact, pinky is the skinny, taller one, kind of like me, and brain is the fat, stubby one. Now, if you're familiar with this cartoon, this would be a great time to look at your kids and point out how their cartoons are inferior uh, to those uh, who are raised during the time of Pinky and the Brain. But if you've seen this cartoon, you'll know that in every episode, the skinny, tall uh, Pinky, the gullible one, always asks in a very goofy way, G-Brain, what are we going to do tonight? And of course the evil genius brain replies in a real monotone voice. (laughs) He says this, he says, the same thing we do every night, Pinky, try and take over the world. Now, at this point, there are some of you in your late twenties and early thirties that are now singing, Pinky and the brain, 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 brain. I hope you remember that story. But every night, during every episode, I, I really feel bad for them because I've. All, there was times where I was rooting for them to take over the world, but it always failed. The plan always backfired. Sometimes it was due to Brain's ego and his arrogance. Sometimes his plans were way too lofty to pull off. Other times, it was Pinky's foolishness. But no matter what, no matter how hard they tried, they never succeeded And to be honest, I really think this is an accurate commentary on human history. You see, mankind has always had an ambition to try and rule the world or heal the world and build their own kingdoms. Uh, Crazy men like maybe you're familiar with Jim Jones tried to create a utopian society by taking herds of people and moving them and and trying to build a, a perfect place where nobody goes hungry. a healthy place where all have access to free universal health care, a wealthy place where the discrepancy between the rich and the poor doesn't exist. Then there were conquering men in history like Alexander the Great that tried through war to become global monarchs. But no matter how much men advance or how much man-made institutions invent, world rulers stumble, world healers fail, nothing seems to get better. In fact, everything just seems to be getting worse. So the question in the heart of all of humanity remains, who is capable of making the wrong things right? Who is able to heal all that has been broken? Who has been given the authority to claim this universe and this world as their own possession? Who is worthy? Now, with that in mind, I'd like for you to turn to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, and I'm going to read that now to you. Revelation 5, 1 through 12, and we should have it up for you on this screen. I would love for you to follow along. Scripture reads like this. This is the Apostle John now in a vision telling us what he sees. Verse one says this, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so that he can open the scroll in its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding up a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Wow. Revelation just has a way of either scaring you to death, (laughs) or blowing your mind. In fact, some of you, the minute you found out that the Easter text was Revelation, either ran out of the room or got a little bit closer, But here's what I wanna do. I wanna take this magnificent vision and simplify it into three parts. Part one, the contents of the scroll. What in the world is in that scroll? Part two, the weeping of John. Why is John crying? Why has he become so emotional? And part three, the worthiness of the lion lamb. Now I know you've heard of a liger and some of you have probably been watching the lion, actually not the lion king, but the tiger king, but the lion lamb, not a liger, but a lion lamb. In fact, I was thinking about this. What, what will we name a lion lamb? And I was thinking, well, maybe a Liam. And I know there's a Liam out there watching Liam. You are a lion lamb. (laughs) So let's talk about the contents of the scroll. What in the world is in this scroll, in the throne room, in that powerful scene where all of these beings are gathered around the Almighty on his throne and he's holding a scroll. What is in that scroll? We see John's vision begins in chapter four where he's told that God will reveal to him what will take place at the end of all time. So up to this point, God has not moved. He's just been sitting on his throne, majestically receiving worship. But when chapter five begins, God starts to stir. And out of his right hand, as he opens up his palm, he reveals a scroll with seven seals. John describes the scroll in a way that is reminiscent to a Roman will or deed, informing us that only a rightful heir can break these seals and release whatever is inside of the scroll. So here's the big question. What, what is in the scroll? What is the big deal about this scroll? All of salvation history is in that scroll. God's redemptive plan for the universe is in that scroll. The advancement of the gospel is in that scroll and the judgment of those who rejected are in that scroll. This scroll is the official document that determines the climax of human history as God takes back his universe from Satan, sin, and the grave. This is a really, really heavy, heavy scripture, but I just want to pause and I just want to reflect and I want to breathe because I am encouraged. I don't know if you caught it, but I'm encouraged to know that this scroll rests firmly in the right hand of God. You see, history is in God's control. He sits on the throne ruling over every circumstance. Even right now, in this moment, in the midst of this pandemic that's got you at home watching Easter Sunday from your living room, even right now, I want you to know that God is not out of control. He's not worried. He does not know what He's not up there thinking, man, what am I going to do next? The earth is going crazy this virus is out of my control god is in control even right now in the midst of this pandemic even in right now in one of the most deadliest times in our our nation's history believers followers of christ can rest assured that not only is god in control but that this pandemic is being used to bring him glory So why should we fear? Why should we doubt? Why should my heart worry? Why should I question? If you're a follower of Christ, this is our moment. Because God is in control, we can operate in faith and not fear, and that's not a cliche. Because God is in control, we can operate in confidence and not uncertainty. Because God is in control, we can operate courageously, and not cowardly. In fact, I wanna encourage Christians that are out there, now is the time for the gospel to move forward. Now more than ever, the people of this world are looking for hope beyond the grave and you have it. And I fear in this shelter and place as Christians, we could just be locked in our homes, paralyzed. Now is the time to share the gospel. Here's a provocative thought. If the scroll really does contain all that God has done and will do to make things right, then inside of the scroll, if you think about it, lies the hope of everything that has ever been created. You see, all creation grows for what's inside of that scroll. All believers everywhere for all time groan and long for what's inside of that scroll because rolled up in that scroll is the final plans that will make all things new. So when the angel asks who is worthy to open the scroll and nobody seems to respond, we can understand why a grown man like John would begin to cry. This brings us to our second point, the weeping of John. If you really wanna know why John weeps, if you really wanna know why he's been overcome with emotion, why he is crying and he is weeping in tears, we need to understand the implications of what the angel is really saying. Is there anyone who is able to carry the weight of all of creation's hope? Is there anyone who is able to reverse the curse and restore the paradise that has been lost? Who can handle holding the hope of all of those who have been broken by the fall? Those who have experienced the pain of sickness, the agony of suffering, the trauma of abuse, the abandonment of family, the sorrow of death. Who can carry such an impossible weight? Where can we find someone with this kind of incredible strength who is worthy? And as I was preparing this message this week and thinking about it, I, I realized that many times like John, we have to weep before we can smile. And I, I really hate this about myself, but I, it's part of my sinful humanity. But many times, I have to realize the unworthiness of the lesser thing before I can fall down on my face and acknowledge the worthiness of the greater thing. It's crazy. And if you think about it, maybe you would agree with me, but we always seem to run to and try everything else before God. Right? God's like the last part of our plan. Like we pray last, right? We, we, we seek God last. Like we're willing to try everything else before God. When we're in pain, when we're in need, we're willing to go out and try everything else before we try God. We'll chase after satisfaction through sexual encounters and pornographic images We'll look for validation and Instagram likes and achievements in our career. We'll search for healing in the bottom of a bottle or self-medicate just to take the pain away. This is just what we do. We place our hope, we place our joy, we place our satisfaction in people, in substances, in things that ultimately let us down. In fact, can I just tell you something? These things that we create end up becoming things that dominate us. They become our idols, and before you know it, we are at their mercy, bowing and worshiping and answering to their every command. Idols make for cruel masters. And it's okay. It's okay to be honest right now in your living room. I mean, I want to be honest with you. It, it's okay to, uh, to understand that sometimes even God will allow us, hear me out, sometimes God will even allow us to build and worship false idols so that we can finally come to the conclusion when those idols let us down nobody is worthy. In fact, we're told in scripture, not just that nobody is worthy, but not an angel in heaven, not a man on earth, not a political party, not a president, not the Democrats or the Republicans, no angel on earth, no angel in heaven, no man on earth and no demon in hell. And it's at that exact moment, this is so interesting. It's at that exact moment when John is in his hopeless state, when he is beginning to weep because nobody is worthy. It's in that moment when John begins to weep that an elder leans in and tells him to behold. Don't cry, John, don't cry. The elder says, look, don't cry. There's there's someone I want you to meet. There's someone I want you to see. There's something I want you to look at. You're crying because you feel like no one can open this scroll. You're crying because you feel like nobody can carry the burdens of this world. You're crying because there's no hope for mankind. There's no hope for history. But the elder leads in and says, do not weep. Behold, there's something I want you to see. This brings us to our third point, behold, the worthiness of the lion lamb. This is so fascinating to me. Pay close attention. The majesty and beauty of all of Christianity is encapsulated in this next point. Are you ready? Listen closely. The elder describes a conquering lion But when John actually sees a lamb that has been slain, let me say that again. The elder describes a conquering lion, but what John actually sees is a lamb that had been slain. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The elder tells John, what you're going to see, what you're going to behold is a conquering lion. And so John, waiting to see a ferocious beast, turns around and looks. And instead of seeing a lion, he sees a lamb. You see, Jesus is called a lion because he ferociously dealt with Sin Satan in the grave. In fact, he dealt sin Satan and the grave. It's death blow. You could say that Jesus killed death. He's called a lion. Yet he's revealed here as a lamb because he has sacrificially laid down his life. Are you getting it yet? Listen, the lion conquers because he's willing to use the tactics of a lamb. He conquers because he lays his life down. This is what makes him worthy because he's willing to lay down his life. What qualifies Jesus to redeem the universe? What qualifies Jesus to judge the earth? What qualifies Jesus to take the scroll, break its seals and bring history to its completion? What qualifies him? Because listen, the lamb who was slain, is now the lamb who is standing. And I wanna conclude here. Will you take a moment with me just to gaze at the beauty of this juxtaposition of the lion lamb. The lamb who was slain is worthy because he is now the lamb who is standing think about it. He's a slain lamb. When John sees him, he sees him as slain. What does that mean? What picture is being painted to us? We see John is seeing a lamb still carrying the fresh wounds of its sacrifice. He's slain. But that lamb that is still showing his wounds is not down in the grave, but he is standing up alive. At the same time, the lamb is on its feet and he is risen, he is alive. This is the Easter story, act one, creation. We were created by God, made his image and placed in a garden, act two, fall. We sinned against God, we rejected him, we submitted to idols and got kicked out of that garden act three redemption so god in christ the unblemished lamb became the lamb who was slain act four: the final act restoration the slain lamb is now the standing lamb ready to make all things new on perhaps one of the most unique easter sundays of our entire lifetime And perhaps one of the most angst-filled, grief-ridden, fearful Sundays in the history of our country, there is still so much hope in our resurrected King. You see, one day soon, it will be time for the Lion Lamb to finish what he started. And for those who call this lamb Lord, there will be no more tears, no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin, no more death. Eden will be restored. The garden will be restored. Paradise that was lost will be restored. But for those who reject the lamb, a fierce lion of judgment and wrath awaits. I urge you this morning, I urge you this morning, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right where you're at, I urge you this morning, put your hope, put your trust, put your faith in the lamb who was slain, is the lamb who is now standing. You might be asking, how do I do that? Maybe you've been searching all week long, Maybe God's finally got your attention because you put your hope in something and it's let you down. Maybe he's finally got your attention. Maybe you're beginning to weep like John because you're realizing nothing that you tried is worthy. Not an angel in heaven, not a man on earth, not a demon or devil in hell. No one is worthy to carry and restore and heal and forgive the brokenness, the pain, the sin that you have. And you just are coming to the end of yourself. I want you to know you're right where Jesus wants you because it's right then when you begin to weep. It's right then when John began to weep, the elder leaned over and said, behold, look, there is is someone worthy. It's the lion lamb. So how could you put your faith in him? How could you put your hope in him? How could you put your trust in him? How could you walk away from this unique online service feeling like Jesus has touched you and that he's become your friend? It's really simple. All you have to do is repent and believe the gospel. What does it mean? What does it mean to repent? It means to say, honestly, stop Stop, just stop using excuses. It's finally time to say, I'm a sinner, I give up. Everything that I put in my hands, I I destroy, I fumble. I'm a sinner. Repent. What does that mean? It means to say I'm a sinner. And you know what it also means? It means I cannot save myself. There's not an amount of good works that I can pile up. A lot of you out there think that salvation is like a like a, a weight system, and, and that when you get to heaven, God's gonna weigh your good works versus your bad works. And if you got more good works, you're gonna get into heaven. Guess what? Your bad works outweigh your good. You will never make it. That is hopeless. You can't save yourself. You're doomed. The wrath of God is coming and you deserve it. How how can I be saved? Repent. Admit. You can't save yourself. But you don't just stop there. And then you believe. Believe in what? Believe in what? Believe that there is somebody who is worthy. Believe that there is somebody outside of yourself that can save you. Put your hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Put your trust, look ahead, behold, look forward to, look again at the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, he lived the life that you couldn't live. He lived perfectly. He broke no law, broke no rule. He lived the life that you couldn't live. And then he was put on the cross. And when he was put on the cross, two things took place. Number one, he took your sin upon himself. And as he was there, brutalized and slain, he was taking the wrath of God that you deserve upon his own shoulder. Number two, he not only took the wrath that you deserve because of your sin, but then he imputed to us. He gave to us. He gifted us his righteousness. So, that if you would put your faith in this, if you would put your trust in Jesus, when the Lord God looks down at you, He does not look down at you and see your sin. He does not look down on you and call for His wrath, but He looks down at you and He sees the perfect, unblemished, spotless Lamb of Jesus Christ. What a Savior He is! What a gift that He can give us that no one else can. He is worthy. My only hope for salvation is in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I hope in nothing else. I lay down all the idols that I built with my hands and I look to Jesus as He is the only one who saves. And He is worthy of our power, our honor, our blessing, our glory forever and ever and ever. I love you so much. If you don't have a church home, if you don't have a family to connect to, we're here for you. But I implore you today to reflect and behold on the only one who is worthy, Christ Jesus, our Lord. I hope you were able to sit back and worship in your living rooms. Even with your children around, parents, I want to encourage you. Now is the time to allow them to see you give him praise, to allow them to see you give him glory. Every week we come back together in communities. We call them Zoom Connects. We meet online, and I want to invite you to look into joining us this week we explore the sermons through questions, and we have three questions that I just want to give out today, and if you can't make a Zoom, then maybe you can screenshot these questions, and you can pray through them this week as you listen to this message. Question number one, how does knowing God's sovereign control over the past, present, and future help you overcome fear in troubling times? And if this has been difficult for you, especially in this season, we wanna invite you to share your process with us. Number two. In our own search for something that is worthy, like John, we often have to experience tears of disappointment, letdowns. In your search for joy, in your search for hope, significance, or satisfaction, how has your disappointments led you to Jesus? And finally, number three, the conquering lion is revealed to John as a lamb who was slain. How can this beautiful juxtaposition lead you to worship? How do you see both these realities, the lion and the lamb, playing out in the ministry of Jesus Christ? We hope that you would join us in our Zoom Connects as we dive deeper and we continue to behold the lamb. We love you. Happy Easter. The resurrected king is on the throne and he is in control. And for that,